Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who told you that? No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome to the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre here. Hope everybody has been enjoying their week as uh, Nick and I have been keeping up with all the happenings in Gator Nation. Uh, football, I think all the dust has finally settled uh, on all the transfer portal news, although we got another new addition this week that we will talk about. Also talk some UF hoops and uh, baseball officially getting things started as the uh, – Road to Omaha officially begins, Nicholas. Friday, Road to Omaha begins. The Gators are back out on the field. Uh, put some stuff out uh, on Thursday. And I'll have another two stories on baseball coming out Friday. And, of course, I'll be uh, at Condren Family Ballpark. You already know where to get your Florida baseball news. I've been getting a lot of um, a lot of people saying, you know, please, Sully, this is my last hope, my last hope for men's sports. Um, and, and the team should be really good, but we are staunchly on the stance of we will not overhype the baseball team. Uh, because as I over I overhyped them in 2021 and again in 2022, and they didn't get to Omaha. Um, so I'm not getting yelled at this year. We're not overhyping the baseball team, although there's some hype uh, a little bit surrounding this uh men's basketball team, a little uh streak that they've got going five out of the last six, uh, really seem to be finding their identity. So We'll talk about uh, their their most recent win and a big matchup coming up uh, this weekend against number five Kansas State and former Florida star Keontae Johnson. So from that Keontae to another Keontae, uh, we got both to talk about. And uh, we'll lead this show with the uh, football Keontae, and that's uh, Keontae Goodwin, the latest addition for the Gators from the transfer portal. Uh, Nick and I had been... Working to confirm this throughout the week. Obviously, we wanted to give uh, Keontae his moment to decide uh, if that was something that he wanted to do. But the Gators got him enrolled, got him in for the spring. And uh, his addition marks 10 total from the portal. And I think this is probably one of the biggest gets yet, Nick. Yeah, um, he played at Holy Cross in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and this was the biggest or the highest rated signee the university of kentucky had ever had from the class of 22 uh, from the class of 22 he enrolled there in january um and then just as a freshman last year in 2023 didn't get much playing time decided yeah. to leave um but a massive <laughs> massive human being at six foot eight 350 pounds um and as you look at florida you lose two guys to usc uh two guys to the nfl draft a lot to replace on that offensive line and i think florida uh, Rob Sale, Darnell Stapleton, Billy Napier have done a fantastic job in the transfer portal, um, getting three guys to fill those those four spaces. And then obviously you have Austin Barber, who had kind of taken over one of those starting jobs as well. And you bring back Kingsley Eguhan. Um, so I think you know you have Keontae Johnson, or Keontae, jeez, Keontae Goodwin, <laughs> uh, Micah. And I think we're going with Mazuka. Mazuka, that's it. That's how we're going with it. It could be, could be wrong. Um, you know, uh, I think those are two guys I think 
ready to step in day one. Um, and then obviously Damian George from Alabama. Um, I don't want to put the man down, but whenever someone leaves Alabama, you know, Nick Saban had the famous quote when the transfer portal started. Um, he said, kind of ominously, you know, I don't think we're going to lose many good players, and I think we'll take some other people's players. And I was like, yeah. gotcha. this is the last thing, this is the last thing college football needed. So some questions about uh, Damian George. He had a really, really bad, as when he was a starter uh, two years ago, had a really bad Iron Bowl. Uh, and then kind of was just like done starting at Alabama. So he left looking for some playing time. Um, but Florida needed bodies, warm bodies. And, and I think they got some pretty good players, you know, on the pursuit to just find people to to fill some roles. And I think with the addition of George and Mazuka, you figure Micah is going to plug right in there as one of the starting offensive guards. And then you've got Cam Waits and Richie Leonard. Unfortunately, Cam suffered a torn Achilles. He's going to have to battle back from that. So that gives Richie – the upper hand heading into the spring. And the thought was, okay, maybe Cam slides back out to offensive tackle to start there, or maybe you have George start there. Well, now with the addition of Goodwin, that changes the entire conversation because if he can come in, and I think he's uh, still kind of working to get in the shape that he ultimately wants to be in, but if the Gators can help him through this offseason, uh, you get a former five-star offensive tackle to potentially start opposite uh, Barber, now you got a lot of depth and a lot of variety there uh, on your offensive line. So, ten total additions from the portal. I, I think that you know a lot of key pieces at some important spots, but without a doubt, their most impressive haul was along the offensive line. And to get mm -hmm. you know the quality and also where these some of the programs that these players are coming from, you're getting some SEC caliber players. I just uh, like you said, it's a credit to the offensive line coaches and Napier for getting this job done. Yeah, and I like the three guys that Florida got in from high school in this recruiting class. But yeah. offensive line is a, is a is a heavily projection based position when you're talking about a high school player, um, and it's very rare that offensive linemen come right into college and are ready to go and be starters and play 65, 70 snaps a game. Um, so I think Florida needed to get guys in the portal. Um, and, and on Keontae Goodwin, he's a guy who ballooned up to 425 pounds in high school. And, and, and thanks to, you know, our network, being able to talk to some of the Kentucky sports radio guys who have been covering the, the recruitment and covering him this year. Um, I think something that was really pivotal in recruiting him was the health and nutrition that Florida has and, and being able to get guys in shape, keep them in shape. Um, and all of the things that Florida has at the New Heavener Complex, um, you know, with being, you know, you get three hot meals a day. Almost sounds like a prison. You get you get three hot meals a day, um, but but you get fed well. They have um, a football only nutritionist with an entire team built out um, to get a personalized plan to get a personalized plan just for you. Um, she doesn't have to worry about you know all nineteen sports. It's just football for her and her team. Um, so I think that was a big uh, something that played a big part. And as guys who have had weight issues in the past, um, you you've got that that structure and that uh, system to help you. And also, too, let's be honest. I mean, this is one of the benefits of the transfer portal. In most years, when you lose four starting offensive linemen, you are rebuilding that next year. And the Gators haven't done that. They've reloaded on the offensive yeah. line and have the potential to be just as good as they were a season ago, despite 
losing four starters in an All-American. Now, I don't think you're going to be a, a, as good at that position, but it, it is. I mean, in, in, in the past, you lose that many starters, you're having to turn to some guys that have been waiting in the wings and some young freshmen that you're going to have to develop. Uh, that's not the case anymore. So yeah. uh, that's, I think, big for Florida. And uh, as a lot of uh, folks said on Twitter, that trench work, Nick, you're going to get it from Billy. They certainly have a type. Um, I'll say that. You look at all these guys, and 6'4 is like the minimum <laughs> height you can be, and you better be above 310. Um, you know, the, they have some big boys. And uh, Kelsey and her team, I think the – uh, the portions that you might be ordering, you know, a few more potatoes, uh, a few more flank steaks. Um, you're up in the orders, the food orders this year, because these guys are not small human beings. No, no. And, uh, you know, it's like you said, they clearly have uh, like an average ideal height and weight that they're looking for with their offensive linemen. And it's starting to come together. Um, and, you know, he was not uh, the only addition that they've had since the last time that we visited with you all. They also uh, added two more additions this past week from the portal, uh, Manny Nunnery and Cameron Carroll, uh, transferring over from Houston and Tulane, respectively. Uh, I think for the Gators uh, to be able to get a running back from the portal and a guy who only has one year left, uh, mm. considering the depth that they have in the running back room, I think this is kind of a steal, to be honest. Uh, you're getting a guy that has this much experience in college and has produced when his number was called. And then uh, you get Manny Nunnery, a guy who who started uh, pretty much full-time this past year for Houston. So um, they've done a really good job, Nick, not only um, replacing some of the starters that they lost, but replacing some of the depth that they lost via the portal. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with, with Cam. I think how, how do you sell – um running back i think i even said in the podcast before i was like we're gonna have to go and find somebody from high school because for a guy to come in with only one year left to play and i get it like it's a big jump from Tulane to florida you're like i can prove myself it's like well they had two guys almost run for a thousand yards each last year who both returned and one of them is a true yeah. freshman um so for me, when Cam, when when Cam, when we found out that Cam was on campus i'm like what is this guy doing like you only have one year left to play um from uh, he has reported four four like legit four four speed at six at six foot two twenty five or five eleven two twenty. Um, that's, Don't that's, turn him that's down. A burner. That's a burner. No, no. Hey, I mean, you needed another running back because if Montreal Johnson, you know, knock on wood, uh, rolls his ankle week one, high ankle sprain, you're out for five weeks. You're rolling with uh, a sophomore and a true freshman, and that's all you have. And then if something else happens, I mean, it's a tough league. Football's a tough sport. Going into the season with three scholarship running backs, which that would have been a massive cause for concern. So getting Cam yeah. in um, is huge uh, for Jabbar Jaluk and for that with that running backs room. Um, and, and then Nunnery, uh, it'll be interesting. I think you added already. First off, I, I would like to see um, Deuce Spurlock and and Trahada Mitchell to have their lockers next to each other. Uh, might have to duke it out. Might have to see who's got the best hands because that's Ohio State <laughs> and Michigan. That's a big rivalry. We need to squash that beef before spring football starts. <clears throat> you got to get it out of the way. Um, you've already added two linebackers, obviously Derek Wingo. It'll be interesting to see how much he can do. He had to have shoulder surgery, which he's already gotten done. He's got a foot surgery coming up after that. What will his availability be in the spring? Um, but Nunnery's a guy who's played a lot of special teams. Zach, when was the last time Florida blocked a punt or a kick? 
This guy's, I think, blocked four in his career. Um, well, the, the bowl so, game. Ah, sure. I, I was, I was, you, I was down and out. About it. <clears throat> I was down and out. I, I had, I had the itis. I had the flu. Um, I was down and out for the bowl game. Um, but it's let's uh, say it, it, it wasn't a memorable matchup. You know, special teams. Special teams were were abysmal all year long. Um, but special teams save. They did save the day in that bowl game, keeping the streak alive. I mean, let's great, get, let's great hole by Jeremy Crabtree. Just a, a fantastic hole by Jeremy Crabtree. Uh, unbelievable. And uh, Crab, Crawshaw, Crabtree. You're that's, in Texas. Who did Tech, I say, man. Crabtree? Where am I? I don't even know where I am, man. <laughs> oh man, um, that was a that was a probably one of the uh, saddest field goal attempts in uh, in, in school history. Uh, hey, baby. But extended a streak. They did. They did. And um, so obviously, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that they're done adding for the spring. Probably won't be done after spring, but I think that this is it. I don't think that they can get another waiver for another transfer to start uh, two weeks into the semester. Um, yeah. I think so, but look. Friday. I think Friday, January twenty seventh would maybe be the last day. But you're—I mean—you're a full week after drop ad. Obviously, it's a little different being a true freshman with your high school transcripts, and um, you know whether you've done one year in college or or four years in college. Different with uh, you know transfer to a school already with college credits. Yeah. So, but look again, kudos to the staff for I think what they uh, ended up hauling in from the portal because uh we knew once we saw the attrition that was happening and uh all the spots that were open that that was going to be a big part of um you know the the what they added to the roster was not just going to come from the high school ranks it was going to come from the portal and um this is a talent acquisition business as billy has said multiple times and i think uh there's a lot of stock and to be put in what you're able to get from the transfer ranks. I think it's um, a lot more that you can count on and have an impact yeah. on your team right away. So the Gators are going to need some and, of these guys to contribute. And, and I think we can put a little pause to the, what the hell is Billy doing in the portal? Uh, they're not doing anything. What's Bird Sherrill's even, what, what's his job even, Zach? Um, <laughs> I, I think thinking they kept saying I'm like listen they understand the importance of the portal what would the 2022 gators listen they were only six and seven but how bad how worse off would they have been without the transfer portal uh yeah. last year so I, I think there's another two-week period and listen this 45-day period was insane um now squish that 45-day period take a month off of it um so i think it'll be a mad rush for guys and, and there and there will be more guys like there's 800 guys still in the portal today as we record this crazy um, and, and after spring football you know when you get into march guys are going to like start you know being at practice hands on hips counting reps and, and counting players in position go Shh, this isn't what i thought it was time to hit the portal and that's going to be a mad rush to get more guys in before the season and there's the potential there to possibly uh get some even bigger pieces that you can add and we saw for the benefit from that window this past year and getting Ricky Pearsall after spring practice. And uh, as we've already discussed on the show, uh, he has made his decision 
to return for 2023. And uh, after getting an invite to the combine, putting up some really good numbers, he's decided to return to Florida. And uh, I think one thing that probably factored into that decision was the news that you reported on Thursday, Nick. Yeah, uh, Ricky Pearsall, he's one of about, I think, 19 athletes that are going to be announced as the week goes on um, that will sign with the Gator Collective. And, and listen, when when we were talking and, and, and I think I said I was trying to weigh out pros and cons, and I had a really long thing on our message board weighing out pros and cons, and I just didn't think it made sense for Ricky to come back other than NIL. And the Gator Collective doesn't disclose their uh, contract numbers with their athletes, but Let's say this, if you were a fifth round pick, top of the fifth round, I think the signing bonus was like $200,000. I don't know if Ricky Pearsall is going to be in a $200,000 contract this year, but what comes along with being a fifth round pick is no job security and none of that contract being guaranteed. And if you get cut in training camp, boom, you're on the unemployment line and you're not getting paid by the team that drafted you. Um, I can guarantee you with 1 million percent certainty that Billy Napier is not cutting Ricky <laughs> Ricky Pearsall. Um, so you come back to campus, you're the big, you're the one, one million percent. I, I'll put, put the deed to my house on it. He's not cutting Ricky Pearsall. No, no fear of that. Um, you're the big man on campus. You're going to do some cool stuff with the Gator Collective, some cool stuff he's already posted. He's done some cool stuff with Fast FLA, um, helping here at the Ron McDonald House and, and helping out um, at some other food shelters, um, homeless shelters, and, and, and food banks here in Gainesville. Um, so I think you're going to start seeing, and I put in that story, you're already starting to see either guys who have played four years uh, but had a year left or guys who were true undergrads. Um, you're seeing the number of them decrease in in, in leaving yeah. early for the, for the NFL. Uh, and I think NIL is going to make the college football game better because you're going to get guys staying around longer. Hey, I'm, I'm a fringe top three pick or top three round pick. I might follow the fourth or the fifth. What if I come back another year and, and I'm not losing money because I can make money through NIL and, and then maybe get into a better position for myself the next year uh, with, with the draft. Think about Osiris Torrance. I mean, yeah, man, what a, what a benefit that he provided for himself by making this jump through the portal and turning himself into a first round pick, which he would not have been coming out of Louisiana. Even though he had the talent, uh, he hadn't dominated the SEC yet like he did this past year. So um, I, I think for Ricky, too, uh, I, I thought the decision was interesting and, and would be influenced by the fact that the Gators lost Anthony Richardson and there's not a clear cut. the ball. Yeah, and I thought that that might factor into it. Um, but at the same time, I think – for his standpoint, he knows that he's going to be that go-to target, um, even more so with with Justin Shorter, uh, you know, moving on. So it's basically him and X. Um, you know, they, they obviously have a full receiver room, but those are going to be the uh, the top starters. And I think now too, with you got to remember, Ricky missed. I don't know how much time it was in training camp, but it was a good portion. And then most of it. I don't most of yeah. it. I mean. He, he got hurt week one, like second day in pads. So yeah. One week in the training camp, missed it. And, and and I would imagine when he came back, even though he played, I think, in the season opener, uh, he was not 
even if he had gotten back to 100%, he wasn't himself yet and certainly wasn't comfortable in the offense, didn't know everything. And this staff, just getting him for fall training camp, didn't know a lot about him, didn't know exactly his strengths, weaknesses, how to use him. They certainly had evaluated him on film, but until you really get him in practice. So I, I think as the season went on, and certainly he kind of found his groove and the staff figured out how to use him, um, there, that's the – that whole process is not going to be there in 2023. You're going to go into the spring now. You get to have a full offseason with him, kind of build the offense around him. And, you know, he was a guy that that caught, I think, what he finished with was 30-something passes. I mean, he could end up with 50-plus this coming fall sure. and really boost his numbers. And I think everybody would like to see him get a few more jet sweeps and get uh, yeah. involved in the run game more. I mean, he had a – 76-yard touchdown, and then we didn't really see – he got like two carries the rest of the season. So um, I think from that standpoint, he he, he figures that, uh, you know, there's the, definitely some benefit to him coming back. Uh, I mean, it took uh, how many weeks for Chris Couch to be like, hey, this guy might be able to return some punts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, there's a he, – he is – if you would have lost what you did and then Ricky Pearsall um, – uh, one player, especially a you know a slot receiver, shouldn't affect my perception of a team so much. Um, but it does. And, and yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, or, or maybe that's just the kind of impact that Ricky Pearsall has coming back. And that's also uh, it speaks to Florida's uh, lack of proven players at the slot position. You know, if you had a ton of depth there, and you you know, I, I think that Eugene Wilson is going to be a stud. And you got a few players that could plug in there, but uh, Pearsall's. I don't even know that you have a few. I don't even know that you have a few. I think it's just Ty Bowman and and Eugene Wilson, and Wilson won't be here until summer. Yeah, I I think you could potentially uh, find a way to 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 utilize Mizell some just with his speed, but uh, he seems like more of a burner on the outside. Um, But regardless, he's got to put on weight. So um, and and with Wilson, you don't have him until fall camp. So he's kind of in the same boat as Pearsall was last year. Um, You needed to be able to build your offense around him and have Mertz, Miller, whoever it is, uh, know that that's a safety valve that they can go to. Yeah. Um, Well, one guy that won't be part of that quarterback room is uh, Jaden Rashada. Uh, You know, by now this is old news. You guys don't want to hear about it. We don't really want to talk about it, uh, but do want to at least uh, acknowledge the fact that Nick put in a ton of work uh, this past week as we were – last time that we visited with you all, we were waiting on this uh, release to officially happen, and then the following day it did. And then Nick spent the weekend working the phones and finishing up uh, what went wrong here, which was what we had been getting so many requests from fans, from readers – Hey, let us know exactly what you can. And um, as we kind of transition from the news of Ricky Pearsall signing the deal with Gator Collective, we all know that they've been really dragged through the mud here and kind of made as the public scapegoat. Can't really comment on the situation. Uh, But I think as more details have come out from Nick's reporting, uh, it's clear that um, all the fingers should not be directed at them. And, I think there's a, a lot of blame to go around, and there were no winners in this. Um, and it's an unfortunate situation, you know, just at, at overall. But uh, this is not something that I, I think, uh, you know, for Gator Collective, 
having done almost 150 deals, this is the first one that went south. And I, I can't imagine that they're going to find themselves in another situation like this, given what they went through uh, with this experience. Yeah, I think I think there's well, there's already been plans um, to to change hand, change ownership with with the Gator Collective, um, and, and that's in the works. I've spoken with Eddie Rojas about that, and um, I think the biggest thing that'll happen from this is just the a different operating system, the way that contracts are fulfilled and signed. And um, I think it's a big learning experience for everyone at Florida and, and, yeah. and really um, college sports in general. I don't know that we'll get any change in college sports. Like the NCAA has no, they're a toothless dog. Like they have no power to, to, you know, punish anyone really. And you're not even sure. seeing stuff happen, you know, as, John Ruiz was, uh, you know, guys are committing. The, I remember that kid from Louisville, a defensive tackle, in his commitment announcement, he tweets at LifeWallet and at John Ruiz. And then John Ruiz follows up the commitment with like, yeah, we offered him an awesome deal. It's like, hey, you can't, you can't do that. And you're <laughs> tweeting about breaking the NCAA rule. And the NCAA like comes in, sniffs around and leaves. It's like, no, no, he, he tweeted that he broke the rule and you're not doing anything. So it's clear that they're not doing anything. I think what a lot of maybe national media hoped because this story got a lot of national play was that, okay, let's see if this will end up leading to big changes. And I think the only way it does lead to big changes is if Congress gets involved because the NCAA mm -hmm. went to Congress to try to stop NIL to begin with. And Congress was like, Hey, let's look at your antitrust status. And the NCAA was like, you know what? Sorry for wasting your time. We're going to go back and we're going to allow NIL and let them figure it out. But, the antitrust is good. Don't take that away. We're getting out of here. So I think the only way that it would have happened is if this situation gets to litigation and we start getting, you know, actual contracts in discovery, text messages, emails, and getting all these things in discovery. And then someone from Congress will say, whoa, this is a mess. Um, I think there's a huge, huge need to kind of iron some of this stuff out. But Zach, I mean, you go back and watch the the Pony Express 30 for 30 on ESPN paying players to go to schools is not new. Um, <laughs> SMU got the death penalty. So like, there's no way that NIL, and I'm not saying that's what Florida was doing in this situation, but there's no way that NIL in the grand scheme was never going to be at some point or some part pay for play for college football. Like yeah. there, there's going to be a booster who says, you know what? <laughs> I booster at Auburn. I'm sick and tired of losing to Alabama. Here's $10 million. Go get me a guy, a quarterback that can that can come in and beat Alabama. No problem. Yeah. Gotcha. Here you go. So I, I don't know that we'll get any any meaningful change if if it decided to get to litigation and we started seeing, you know, the back end dealings, um, then maybe it would alert somebody in Congress and we we'd get some kind of you know government intervention. But the NCAA has no power. Um yeah. and, and as Scott Strickland told us back, you know, almost a year ago now or maybe even over a year ago but about last august um you know we might move towards a big two and if it's only the big 10 the sec as a big two and you're not even the power five anymore uh congress has even less power or not congress <laughs> NCAA has even less power so if you're hoping the ncaa steps in i wouldn't hold your breath yeah and look i think a lot of uh florida fans were were holding their breath on this rashada thing uh but Look, I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys that like to think things happen for a reason. And um, 
whatever is going to be, will be. And um, I think what was supposed to happen happened, Nick. Hmm. And uh, I don't think that this, um, it, you know, first of all, the, the that deal and, and, and it was never real. And um, it was never going to happen. But in the wild, crazy scenario that it did, that would not be what the Florida football program needed. That would not be what the locker room needed. That would not be what uh, the future of the quarterback room needed with DJ Lagway coming in. Uh, just in terms of the NIL dynamic and uh, especially with that number already being out there. If, like somehow they, it had gotten worked out and he enrolls and, um, you know, I, I just think it was it, it was clear that, the, you know, Every, everybody in all parties involved needed to move on. And got your, um, got your third string quarterback rolling up to campus in Bugatti. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think that you, know, you had a, you know, a, a, a part of your story, Nick, where you said, you know, this is a guy that, that wanted to play for Florida. And, um, you know, I, I believe that because I think that throughout the process, he he told people, and I think even reporters off the record, that is that like all things aside, if he was just picking based on the school and where he saw himself and best fit and ideal place, that like Florida was the destination. And uh, it's just unfortunate that NIL and something like this and, and a deal just going south can literally change the course of a young man's life and keep him from going to the place that he wants to go. And you could say, well, if he really wanted to go to Florida, then he could have just said, you know, I don't care about all this stuff. Um, I'm just going to go. But I think that once you lose that trust and uh, you feel like you've been lied to or things have mis been misrepresented, it's hard to come back from that. And, um, you know, but, but again, I think it's better off for Florida that this didn't go through and that you didn't bring this to your locker room. And now you get to move on and, and probably build this thing the right way and how it should be done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, to talk about that a little bit, I think there's, there was a situation with a recruit that ended up going to Miami and, and, and from what I was told, like, Hey, there, there was a number the recruit came back with and it was like, if you can beat this, um, <clears throat> I'm coming to Florida and, and I was told Billy Napier is trying to build a culture and a foundation. And do you want to pay a million and a half, 2 million for a high school offense, offensive lineman, a high school offensive lineman. And, and what do the guys who have grinded into your program for five years, three years, four years, um, think about some 17 year old kid coming in a millionaire. Um, and, and, and one more thing on the Daniel Rashada too. I, the number is huge and sexy and it gets people involved, but like the likelihood of paying that entire contract is very small. Um, if Jaden Rashada is that dude who shows that like, damn, he was worth that money. Then he's only here for three years and then he's off to the NFL. Cause if he's that good and he's worth that money, he's gone and you're not paying that last year. If he's not good enough, let's say DJ Lagway comes in and he goes, shoot, this guy's going to beat me out. Let me hit the portal. Well, then the contract's good for one, two years, or however long until he leaves, and, and then you're out of the contract anyway. So, like, the number is big, um, but it wasn't like they're stroking him a $14 million check the day he enrolls. You know, you're, yeah. you're, get, you're getting paid monthly over the course of four years, and you're having to 
go on spaces, go on podcasts, go and, and do things, card signings, meet and greets. You're having to do things for that. It wasn't like, here's a $14 million check. Thank you for showing up. And I also think that Goodwin is an example of why you shouldn't agree to try to find and provide these ridiculous NIL deals for uh, a bunch of high school athletes. There are some premium positions and some elite players can't miss type prospects that it makes sense for. But, you know, the Gators made the decision <clears throat> to not fork over or figure out how to come up with a million-dollar-plus deal for a high school offensive lineman who's a five-star, and then they get a five-star lineman from the portal that they didn't have to do all that for. So, you know, in that situation, it's an example of how things can uh, work out, and it's sometimes not worth uh, entertaining that stuff. It's the portal, baby. Portal combat. Portal combat. Oh, thank gosh it's over. Uh, <laughs> I. Man, because you know, Nick, I mean, once the regular season and bowl games wrap up, it's kind of like a downtime for beat writers uh, has not before, been. before <laughs> things pick up in the spring, and it's not been the case at all. Uh, it has not been the case. We've been trying to figure out class schedules and enrollment statuses Yeah, the last two weeks. <laughs> well, I'll let you know, Zach, I'm getting married uh, in June, and I, got, I got, already got PTO approved. I'm gone for two weeks in June, so you, you and Cora, two weeks in July. You and Corey have a great time. Have fun. I'm out of here. It's all right. Our, our, our boy Corey uh, got his time away this past week. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll have mine coming up soon. So, um, But we got this break coming up. We got to get to when we come back on the other side. Uh, we'll uh, discuss some of the latest projections and news surrounding uh, former Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson and get into some hoops and baseball talk with you guys right here on the Gators Online Show. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Welcome back to the Gators Online Show. Zach and Nick here. And uh, before we get into uh, some NFL talk and the other sports, I do want to mention uh, some of the other news happening around the league, specifically uh, in Tuscaloosa, Nick, mm. as um, Saban is looking for not one, but two new coordinators and um, some interesting candidates potentially out there, Nick, uh, whether it's Mullen maybe as his OC. Could you go Jeff Collins coming back to the SEC, uh, calling plays on defense, or does he promote from within and put Todd Grantham back in a play-calling role. I don't think he promotes from within. No, um, This is Nick Saban. Uh, Nick would would Saban Grantham who, being in the building keep Mullen from coming? Would they be able to bury the hatchet? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, 
Nick Saban spoke with such confidence before the year, and then Alabama drops a couple games. Um, I can envision, just because it's Nick Saban, it's the uh, the death star of college football, um, you get Dan Mullen and, uh, shoot, what's his name? Just fired from Arizona. The coach. Head coach? The, he was the head coach. He was the head coach at Texas Tech. Shoot! Uh, what's his name? Cardinals coach fired. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. You get Dan Mullen and Cliff Kingsbury being your co-offensive coordinators and Jeff Collins mm. dialing up ball plays on defense. It just seems something that would be, you'd be like, oh, gross. Alabama's going to be disgusting again next year. Um, Dan Mullen, I don't know that Dan. Would he take that, that job? I don't know that Dan Mullen's ego would allow him to be part of the Nick Saban coaching rehab. Um, <laughs> I don't know he needs his it. ego. He needs it, but I don't know if his ego will allow him to do that. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, he's going to be – I think his head coaching days are done. And and I was watching some of the HBO um, hard knocks inside the season, and he had one quote that kind of really stuck out to me. It was in the last episode right before he was fired, and it was kind of just like him talking about all the responsibilities of a head coach. And he mm-hmm. loves – the chess match of calling plays and designing an offense. And when you're the head coach, you can do that. Um, but it's not all that you have to do. And it's not your only responsibility. And, yeah. and I think he will relish getting back into being an offensive coordinator. And look, offensive coordinators are getting paid a ton of money. He's gotten paid a ton of money by Texas tech, got paid a ton of money by the Cardinals. He's good. His money, his pockets are fine. And if he can just I, find a job. I think someone ahead. told me that he may, uh, take a year off. That that's been one, reported. You bought like or, a one-way ticket somewhere. I can't. That's right. That's what I was told. That's what I was told. So about a one-way ticket to like Turkey or like the Philippines. Like he's just my man's just living life. He's a single dude, millionaire. Just got uh, had a terrible season. Got fired publicly. Yo, I'm out. I'm going somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi, where there's no cell service. <laughs> Put my feet up on the beach and drink some pina coladas. I respect it. I respect, respect. Much So, respect. look, Saban's looking for uh, two new coordinators, and he's got to replace his starting quarterback as Bryce Young is off to the NFL. And uh, yep. he is one of several quarterbacks that are receiving some top 10 projections for the 2023 NFL draft. And one of them, Florida fans, is your own Anthony Richardson. As uh, Mel Kuyper came out with his latest mock draft, Nick, top 10 for AR, uh, as uh, our friend Graham would be happy about uh, this destination, as uh, he thinks that uh, Kuiper does, that Carolina Panthers might be uh, calling on uh, Richardson to come join their team. So he's gotten a lot of different top 10 projections. 
I've seen a few in the top five, but he, he mostly – I don't think he's going to get out of the top 15. Uh, it will be interesting to see the order in which these quarterbacks come off the board and who goes first, um, how many quarterbacks go ahead of Anthony. Does he maybe get drafted before somebody uh, that, that is expected to go ahead of him? There's a lot of intrigue there in that in those first top 10 picks, Nick. Yeah, um, I, I think I think the – for me, I don't think Anthony Richardson drops out of the top 15, but I would like to see him go at 18 to the Detroit Lions. I think the Lions with Jared Goff. I think Anthony Richardson <clears throat> is the most talented quarterback in this draft by a long shot, but I think he needs time, and I think he needs years to develop. And if you go to Detroit, you've got a young offensive coordinator and Benjamin David Johnson – <clears throat> who has been, I mean, the Lions were a fun, fun team to watch. You have a quarterback in Jared Goff, who's going to be there for another two, three years, I think. Um, to me, that's a great spot. I think Anthony Richardson needs a... He needs um, to go somewhere where he's not going to play as a rookie. Right, and I think, I don't know that Sam Darnold is the guy that keeps him off the field <laughs> in, in 2023. Um, I think, I think... The Lions would be a great landing spot for him. Maybe Minnesota, where you've got Kirk Cousins, who will be there for a couple of years. Um, <clears throat> listen, the, the the damn Eagles make sense with without Jalen Hurts because that's your, that's your guy and Brian Johnson. Maybe wherever Brian Johnson lands, if he gets an OC job, that's a spot for, for Anthony to land. Mm. Um, but Anthony's draft stock is only going to rise. He played at 240. He'll probably show up at the combine in, in Indy at 220, run a blazing fast 4-4 at that size. Um, he's got a massive arm. He's not going to throw at the combine because it makes no sense to. He'll work out with Ricky Pearsall and Justin Shorter and Xavier Henderson, and those guys will run routes for him. He's been throwing to them for years now. Those guys will run routes for him at Pro Day. He'll, you know. Make those throws on pro day that you rarely ever see when you have to run to your left and throw across your body, and he'll throw that ball 55 yards across his body with just a flick of the wrist. And, and scouts and teams and general managers will be drooling over the physical ability that he has. And somebody will say, I can teach this guy to throw that six-yard slant or that five-yard in. I can teach him to throw that more accurately. I can't teach someone to run at 6'4". 4-4 speed. I can't teach somebody to flick a ball 60 yards in the air. Um, Anthony Richardson, fans get too wrapped up in, well, he lost to Vanderbilt. And it's like, yeah, there were, there were 21 other guys playing that game. He also <laughs> threw for like 270 yards in the fourth quarter of that game. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so the NFL drafts the NFL drafts on potential, and Anthony Richardson's potential is through the roof. Yeah. And that's why he's uh, continuing to get these project projections despite the up-and-down season, despite the lack of uh, experience as a starter just one year uh, to really show for. But uh, there's a reason why he came out early, folks, and this is why. And, uh, and people thought it was crazy that he was coming out early. And I was like, he's going to be a first-round pick. That's why, he's, that's why he's coming out early. You know, they're crazy, about, Nick. They thought You're that crazy, about Nick. You're crazy, Zach. They thought that about Trey Mann, too, when he came out, and then he was a first-round pick. Maybe it's just Gainesville guys. The Florida fans are just <laughs> – they can't let go. They're down on the on the ACRs, Zach. They're down on the ACRs. Yeah. So, uh, look, well, we definitely uh, wish AR and, and uh, look, all of the Gators could have 
10, 11 guys you know, he had their name called in this draft this year, which is uh, crazy to think about the amount of talent. And uh, they also have seven Gators that are still alive and uh, going to be uh, still playing for a Super Bowl as uh, we get to NFL Conference Championship weekend. And uh, you've got Carlos Dunlap still playing, man. And My guy. Playing well. Uh, still right Carlos, around getting it. Man, listen. <laughs> you already know. If you know, you know. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, Tony, and uh, Nick's boy, Tommy Townsend, and the Chiefs uh, going up against the Bengals and uh, Evan McPherson and the rookie, Zach Carter, as uh, you know, they, they advanced uh, this past weekend. And then you also got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Fred Johnson uh, with the Eagles uh, that are going to be playing for the NFC title game against the 49ers who do not have any Gators on their roster. So um, Cowboys are out. Jags are out. Bills are out. Uh, Elam is done. And um, a lot of Gators on the Cowboys. I didn't realize Callaway was on that team. He's on the practice squad, but that's yeah, a pretty no, good practice squad that. player. He's... <laughs> I have nothing nice to say. Who's your who's your uh, who's your Super Bowl pick? Um, are they already have they already lost? No, I don't know. I don't know who I'll pick. I, I uh, love the matchup with KC and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's had their number. Um, I like the Bengals to go again, especially considering. Mahomes getting that ankle injury last week. He's going to play, but how much does it affect you? I think we saw him playing hurt and with or with an offensive line that wasn't good uh, in a Super Bowl, and he's running for his life uh, against Tampa Bay a few years ago. Um, I don't. I don't know who I got from the NFC though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Eagles. Uh... <clears throat> You know, I just, man, it's crazy to me that they've gone, the 49ers have gone as far as they've gone with Purdy as their quarterback. Uh, I mean, that guy is a rookie, man, is getting it done. And uh, Mr. Irrelevant is very relevant come NFC Championship week. Very, very. I think the Eagles, they can meet their match with Philadelphia. So um, we'll, we'll see. I got the Bengals winning it all. I hope they do. Uh, I'm not a our boy. A, a our boy Zach Carter. Man. We gotta get, we gotta get him on the podcast if uh, if if he's got some Super Bowl drip. And Money Mac, man, he still hadn't missed in the postseason. Knock on wood. He uh, he filed for a trademark for Money Mac, and it was denied. No, because a Cincinnati man has the trademark Money Max with an X, and it was ruled that that's too close. Money Mac, Money Max. So he was late to the party. Evan had McPherson, to be, late to the party. Had, had to be a guy in Cincinnati, too, of all places. Yeah. It was either um, Cincinnati or Cleveland. Ohio's all the same. Don't tell <laughs> don't tell your wife I said that. Ohio's all the same. Hey, I got family there, too. Um, well, look, uh, obviously that's uh, the, the family of the old and the Gators in the NFL. And then we got uh, some potential Gators of the future that were in Gainesville this past weekend as the – Staff had another junior day, and obviously some important visitors that were in town. Uh, 
Goodwin was not a uh, junior day visitor, but he was a uh, part of the visiting party. Uh, but you had uh, Miles Graham in town, uh, Chauncey uh, Bounds, uh, who received a visit from uh, Kirby Smart in the helicopter uh, this past week trying to flip the Gators' running back commit. Uh, and Florida will have another junior day this coming weekend. Uh, friend of the show, DJ Lagway, will be in town for that junior day and uh, have a lot of uh, targets that he'll be recruiting and putting that hat on. Uh, nothing too crazy, as he told us last week with the uh, you know with the recruiting pitch there, but uh, obviously help to have your quarterback of the future in town for a junior day. So um, our boy Bender is going to be back on it, Nick. Yeah, no, no time off, Corey. Uh, congrats on the new house and moving. That's moving is stressful. That's a great time for him to take take some some much earned PTO off. I wonder if I'm going to see my boy DJ at uh, baseball this weekend. Um, yeah, interesting to see if uh, if he spends That's some a- time over at Condren Ballpark seeing uh, the baseball team at it. Well, Nick, just invite him and give him a tour. Yeah. <laughs> um. So obviously, big weekend coming up for the Gators there, and a big weekend coming up on the uh, basketball front as a top five matchup for Todd Golden squad as they head to Kansas State after getting a blowout win over the Gamecocks, eighty-one to sixty. This game was uh, pretty much in hand early on in the second half. Uh, only your story, your story came out pretty quickly after the game. Seems like you had some time to write uh, while the action was still on. Those are the best. Those yeah, are the best things when you get those kind of games. I mean, this was uh, – I mean, this thing was – look, I think they they pulled ahead by 20-plus points with 12 minutes left, and uh, they le- led by as much as 30. Uh, they never trailed in the game. Just complete domination and uh, a lot of impressive stat lines. Castleton leads the Gators once again. He gets four blocks. Uh, but really, I, I think the most impressive was Myron Jones, so close to a triple double. Um, there's only been a you know handful, I think, in school history. So he finished just shy of that nine points. Uh, he had career highs and uh, rebounds with ten and assists and uh, no turnovers. So this guy's just he's really kind of found his groove and found his role in SEC play. And between him and Kyle Lofton. I think Florida, they found their offensive identity, and it's really, uh, I think, been a, a treat to see these past few games. The Gators have won five of their last six. They, they got it clicking, and it's at the right time because uh, three of their next four opponents are ranked in the top five. So uh, you need to be playing well right now. Yeah, and uh, that one that one of those opponents, the very next opponent, I think is going to be um, – Pretty emotionally charged, certainly for Keontae Johnson, um, yeah. Colin Castleton, any of the guys that were were teammates of Keontae. Um, it to me, you know, you and I, it, it's been such. Uh, it was obviously such a scary situation um, to watch Keontae go down that way, um, and equally on the other end of the emotional spectrum, incredible for me to watch. Um, him really leading Kansas State. Uh, they're 17 and three on the season. Keontae's played in um, 20 games, averaging 33 minutes a game, most of anyone on the team, um, shooting nearly 40% from three, 54, almost 55% from the field, averaging 18.3 points a game, um, a steal. 
seven and a half rebounds. Like he's putting together an incredible year. And just to see him being able to play the game he loves and, and being healthy, um, I think that's incredible. And and uh, I don't know that Florida fans will wish that he has one of those games uh, Saturday, <laughs> but will be certainly, you know, a, a guy that they look at and they're, and they're rooting for for the rest of his career. Yeah, it's it's been just an incredible story to see his comeback and the level that he's playing at right now. And, you know, not as many guys still with the program that played with him, but but certainly Castleton and then some guys that got to know him through recruiting and certainly just him being around the team uh, last season. So uh, just a special player. Uh, it's just a shame that, you know, what happened to him and the fact that he wasn't able to kind of have that, uh, you know, this was a preseason SEC player of the year and uh, was probably headed to be a first round draft pick and just had his whole life turned upside down. And uh, obviously everybody was just wanting to see this guy healthy and, and, and living and, uh, you know, smiling again. And, and he's gone way above and beyond that. And it's just incredible to see him kind of reach this point again. And uh, like you said, there's going to be a lot that's that's going into this game. Obviously, once that ball gets tipped, it's going to be basketball. But this is going to be a tough matchup for Florida uh, and, and an opportunity, obviously, to go on the road and get a quality win. Uh, you know, they, they finally got their first quad one win uh, recently. So, um, you know, this is a chance to build their resume, not only in this matchup, but in some of the other ones that we talked about that they have coming up. I do want to say one thing, though, Nick, and, um, you know, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but we were just talking NFL. It is, you know, and, and I – I'm glad that I can say this now because uh, DeMar Hamlin is okay and it seems like he's going to be able to recover. And, and fortunately, Keontae is okay and he's been able to recover. But I, I could not help but think during the night that DeMar went down um, and was going through that uh, horrific experience, what happened to Keontae and what the Florida players had to go through uh, in that game and in that moment and on that night and just the from social media, just the overarching what I felt like everybody was pretty much on the same page of let's stop this football game and, you know, let's call this and and people like crushing the NFL or in whoever they felt like was to blame for the fact that it even took as long as it did to call the game. And I just could not help but think about the fact that the Florida players had to keep playing that FSU game after what happened to Keontae. And I just, in hindsight, that was awful that they had to play that game. Um, you know, they, pretty much very similar situations, um, you know, with, with what happened to Keontae and what happened to DeMar. So, again, thank God that they are okay and they've been able to recover from what they've been through. But um, that game should not have been played, uh, thinking back on it now. Yeah, I think you in your I mean, it's so hard in that moment to make the right decision. I think they asked the players and let the players decide. And um, I, I think maybe, you know, you just needed somebody, uh, a Scott Strickland or a Chip Howard or, you know, somebody to step in and be like, hey, guys, like this is a lot to take in. Don't worry about it. We're going to cancel this game. We're taking the decision out of your hands, because if you ask an athlete, do you want to play your sport? <clears throat> yeah, I want to play my sport. Um yeah. But yeah, no, I hadn't even thought of it that way um, prior to you, you know, bringing it up right there, Zach. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
it's just tough, man. And it's, you know, it makes you obviously appreciate uh, life and, and the fact that, you know, obviously sports, we enjoy them. It's such a cool thing that everybody gets to experience. But at any moment, um, things can turn south. And, uh, you know, we're just fortunate that we get to watch Keontae play on, on Saturday. I know Florida fans aren't hoping that he has too good of a game. Um, but uh, the Gators are certainly playing well right now. And uh, kudos to Todd Golden and his staff, man. They, they've really, I think, uh, they're starting to get things gelling with this team. You, you, you know, you forget now that the season's gone on, and I think people know these players, but just how many new pieces they added. And Golden pointed out, I mean, it was 13 newcomers to the roster. Uh, and, you know, that's not too much in football. It's a lot in basketball. And uh, everyone. <laughs> it's basically your whole team. And so being able to get everybody to jail, obviously you've had different guys out. Alex Fudge is out right now. We missed the uh, the South Carolina game. Riley Kugel got the start, stepped up big, career high, 14 points, all in the second half, was dunking it, hitting it from three. Uh, they had a lot of guys step up and, uh, and have been stepping up. So like we said, clicking at the right time, going to be a lot going into Saturday's matchup, but they're going to get some opportunities here to uh, – really improve their chances. I think the latest ESPN ESPN bracketology that I read on Thursday had the Gators as the next four out uh, was where they had them projected. So still work to uh, do. Yeah, still work to do. They, I think, have improved their, uh, their net ranking here recently with some of these wins that they've picked up, but uh, got to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, uh, playing in the little apple, I don't know if you know, but that's what they call Manhattan, Kansas. They call it the Little Apple. Uh, playing the Little Apple on Saturday gives you a, a great opportunity. Listen, uh, I don't think Florida will be favored. I don't think they are favored to win this game. Uh, but this would be a massive uh, check mark, and and probably the <clears throat> probably would be the best win you have all season. Um, you know, on yes. your tournament resume in the Little Apple. Yeah, I haven't been to the Little Apple or the Big Apple. Um, I've been to the big one. I haven't been to the little apple. I'm good on the little apple. I'm all right. I'm fine. I can miss Manhattan, Kansas, and die a happy man. I think <laughs> I'll be all right. I have been to Conjuring Ballpark, and that's where you'll be on Friday, Nick. Friday, and... Saturday, and Sunday. Catch me outside. Oh, how about that? How about that? Uh, spring ball is officially underway. It's 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 weird. Uh, you know, Winter we're so ball. Used to, we're so used to. Uh, talking fall training camp uh but it's time nick baseball season's here man you ready yeah i mean like ask me uh you know game 40 how much i'm enjoying it and <laughs> it might be less than right now but um yeah this was supposed to be a downtime for me uh you and i were talking about that hasn't really been a downtime nope. for me between football and baseball but i'm ready to get into baseball um, you spent twenty thousand hours on the phone the past two weeks <laughs> yeah um but I'm looking forward to to watching this team. They're really, really talented. Looking forward to getting out there, seeing these guys. Um, saw them a bunch in the fall. Um, really didn't lose anybody or gain anybody in, in the uh, you know, the weeks and months between fall ball ending and, and winter starting up. Uh, and then they obviously start on February 17th. Um, but the team's loaded. I put out a projected batting order, a, a projected batting lineup, a projected pitching uh, weekend rotation went out today. Um, we'll have five newcomers uh, to know 
on Friday. And then obviously Friday, uh, we'll be up there live threading it for, for scrimmage, which starts at 4.30 p.m. on Friday. So diving headfirst into, into baseball season. What are you uh, most looking forward to <clears throat> seeing, observing, figuring out this weekend? Yeah, there's a bunch of questions. Um, obviously, we know who uh, you know Brandon Sprout is. Uh, I know who Hurston Waldrop is. Florida fans um, probably don't know or haven't seen much of the Southern Miss prospect, uh, who is the number 13, I think, or number 10, 10 or 13 rated draft prospect in the entire country. Um, and we'll be pitching on Saturdays, I think, for Florida. How How is he? Who is he? <laughs> how does he move into this new – uh, SEC competition pitching on the weekends. Um, <clears throat> how do you replace Judd Fabian? I, I think there's a a couple guys, Matt Privis being one, uh, and Mikey Robertson being the other, trying to figure out who's going to start in center field. Um, BT Ryapel comes back. Wyatt Langford is back. Ty Evans is back. You've got three guys who could play time at catcher. How does that shake out? You've got really six infielders to fill four spots. Who's the, who are the odd men out there? How do you shake stuff out? There's a lot of questions on this baseball team. And none of them are, well, you don't have anyone there. They all seem to be like, well, you've got too many players at X position. Who's going to be the one that loses out? And, and obviously in baseball, it always comes down to if you hit, you play. So we'll see who's hitting the baseball early uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the Gators kicking off uh, their road to Omaha. And what are the uh, scrimmage times for the rest of the weekend? Um, I gotta pull that up, Zach. You're catching me off guard. Four well, thirty Friday. DJ Lagway needs to know, Nick. He's he does. He, he's got to get this schedule. He does. He'll probably, well, he'll probably hop on a golf cart and bring some recruits over. Get yeah, show him where, where he may, may be playing. Um, Friday practice starts at two fifteen with a scrimmage scheduled for four thirty. They typically run a little late. Um, Saturday, January twenty eighth, practice at eleven a.m. Scrimmage at one p.m. Practice on Sunday starts at 10 a.m. with scrimmage at noon. So you'll mm. catch me at the ballpark shortly before 4.30, 1 p.m. and noon on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Man, it's just like that offseason just bloop. See ya. And the first <laughs> month is first month is five days a week. Um, you know, you play 20 games in four weeks, so I, living at the ballpark. I, I got to watch when I'm eating at the ballpark as we're getting ready for the wedding. Can't be eating all kinds of stuff. Uh, need popcorn to, and mm. ah, geez, yeah, I'm gonna have to be bringing like salads to the ballpark. It's the tough times. Are the fans gonna let me cover a game? Well, you're uh, my attendance record's pretty good. I, I don't think I think the the guys. We have a very tight-knit baseball group um, on Gators Online on the message board, and I don't think that you have done anything to redeem yourself um, in their eyes. Uh, it's going to happen. I'm going to need a break. You're going to have to cover a game for me at some point. It's going to happen at some point. Sorry, Sullivan. Sorry, <laughs> Florida fans. But uh, we, we, we will see. At least I've redeemed myself with the man cave. It's starting you to come along. It's coming along. It's coming along. There's some stuff back there. It looks like some some glass Coke bottles, a signed Tebow. Signed Tebow Kramer, and Harvard. And Harvard, both of them. We got a little uh, Spurrier, signed Spurrier ball up there. Mm. Oh, man, I have a signed Spurrier ball from 96. I don't know where I put it. It's somewhere. Yeah, man, we're working on it. It's a work in progress. Yeah. All, all, all my work 
Nothing done by my wife. Yeah, that's a lie. The <laughs> lie detector detests. My detector determined that that was a lie. Shout out to Chloe Albaverde, uh, who was manning the power drills that uh, hung all that stuff up behind you. I did a good job showing her how to work it. So Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this week and this episode. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, following along to all of our coverage at Gators Online. Nick, props again on all your work on your in-depth piece this week. And uh, good luck out at the ballpark. Be following along for Florida's matchup at Kansas State. We'll have uh, Corporate Don on the scene for Junior Day. The show don't stop, Nicholas. Thought we told you that the show don't stop. I thought we told you that the show don't stop. Oh. All right. We'll be back. See you guys next week.